0: and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Public PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey, Nicole. Hello. Well, we are coming to you from the island of Maui, Hawaii. Some of you guys may not know, but Nicole and I actually got married here. So it is always nice to come back. It always has some fond memories. Once we got married, we had planned to come back here every year for an anniversary trip. And then we started a business and we didn't come back for eight years.
0: Yeah, seriously, that is the truth. If that doesn't say something about the fact that this shit is hard, I don't know what else does, but aloha.
1: Yes, so that is something that I think is one of the real reasons that Nicole and I are so passionate about helping other business owners because we had that period of time where we weren't doing the things that we wanted to be doing and we weren't traveling and we weren't working the hours that we wanted to work and we weren't having time for ourselves and for self-care and all the rest of those things and the same challenges that I know a lot of you guys who are listening right now are facing and I think that's the, the real driving factor for us as we try to help you guys you know, avoid some of those, frankly, mistakes that we made because it was a mistake. I can tell you now being here to not come to Hawaii for eight years like that was not a good choice.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's actually interesting to reflect on it because it's not like we were having like a terrible time. We actually took a lot of pride for being in the business a lot. And but it's only in retrospect that we're like, ah, interesting. We definitely should have done some things differently. So it's not to say that you have to be like actively hating what you're doing or even having any sort of, you know, negative feelings towards it. But if you look back, you're going to want to have had something different happen. And that's what we have definitely reflected on now. And we're like, oh, dang, we should have gotten out of the business a little bit sooner in terms of like working. Yeah, that's the the catchphrase is working on the business, not in the business. We should have done that a little bit sooner and that kind of stuff.
1: It's hard when you're in it by yourself. You don't have any of that outside perspective. So we are going to be talking a lot later in this podcast about the Accelerator program, but that is, we are so excited for that. That is going to, I think, open up the doors to a lot of people who have not had a chance to do business coaching before, who have not had a chance to get that outside perspective, who have not had the chance to be part of a Lively community of pelvic business owners—all of that is going to be really important. So we'll be talking about that. But the date to watch out for is June 22nd. That's when the doors open. Waitlist is available right now. More than 90 of you have already signed up. We are so excited to have you joining us. But that is going to be at pelvicptrising.com/slash-accelerator. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But. In this episode, we wanted to talk about the results, actually, of a survey, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you, almost 200 this time, 199 to be exact. If one more of you had done it, by the way, running the numbers would have been so much easier. It's so much easier to divide by 200 than 199, so I don't know. By the time this airs, somebody's probably going to have already done that, but we had to go to the episode with what we've got, so just really grateful for each and every one of you who answers that, who kind of lets us know what the state of entrepreneurship is. And it's one of the reasons it's so important we ask. But when we asked pelvic rehab business owners, are you making as much or more than you want or need to? 87% of you guys, actually 86.6% said no. I just want to let that sink in for a second. Almost nine out of 10 business owners are not doing well financially. They're not meeting their goals financially. and I think that's one of the big misconceptions about entrepreneurship and about how difficult all of this is. And It's really easy to put stuff out on Instagram and to make it look like things are going well, but for 9 out of 10 of us, we're not hitting the numbers that we want to be hitting. We're not supporting our family in the way that we want to be supporting our family. We're not contributing to our retirement. We're not paying ourselves We're not saving up for a rainy day. We don't have a buffer in the business. We don't have room for growth. We don't have any of those things. And this is kind of the trap of it. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about is why that happens. And so if if you're feeling that way and feeling a little bit discouraged that you're not doing what you want to be doing or it's been a little bit longer, maybe you're just starting off and it seems like a long way to go, I just want to be hopefully a little encouraging as we start. You're definitely not alone.
0: Totally. I mean, that, I mean, nine out of 10, that's pretty nuts. And Jesse, do you think that that's because we had too high of expectations? So that's what people are saying that that they didn't hit that number? Or do you feel like there's another reason?
1: I think it's a combination of two things, really. One is that sometimes we do have too high of expectations. A lot of us ourselves very much included when we start a business or we're planning a business It's so easy to just take the number of people you are seeing from your old employer and multiply that by the total amount that you're being charged or what your pricing is going to be and you run the numbers and guess what? In your first year, you're going to make a half a million dollars. (laughs) Right? That's what the numbers say. Hey, all I have to do is see 50 people a week. It's like, well, that is a little bit harder when you are having to market and bring those people in, when you're having to service them, when you're having to call them back when you have to have the sales calls, when you have to have the cancellations, when you're moving everybody around. So I think there's some level of that. But I also think that there is just, this shit's hard. Like this shit is hard. And none of us are trained in business. If you guys think about what you have done to be great clinically, what, four years of undergrad, three years of specialty study to get your doctorate, multiple con ed courses again and again being in the huddle doing all those different things and then all of a sudden you're thrown into entrepreneurship and what maybe you've read a book maybe you've listened to a couple of podcasts you know you're doing all the things that you can be but you're not as prepared as you are clinically. And it's no wonder that we struggle, frankly.
0: Totally. And even, I mean, Jesse is someone that even has an MBA, by the way. And like, how much of your MBA are you actually using?
1: Oh, zero. It's not worth the paper (laughs) it's printed on. Like, if I could get like 17 cents back from that, I would take it. Like, that's the total value of it, right? So so
0: even somebody that that objectively has like schooling-backed stuff and like it's still, this shit's hard. And it's it's hard to get all of these business concepts and then apply them to not only physical therapy, but to our specialty field of pelvic therapy. And so it's definitely like, we just want to also just say this out loud again on this podcast is that this shit is hard. And it, again, it can look really easy and it can look really, glamorous on the gram when everybody's like, oh, I'm doing all these things. Look at many therapists I have and all this stuff. And it's like, "Mm," it's the devil's in the details with that kind of stuff. When
1: you start diving into profit margin and numbers and all of those things, it's really interesting. And so in this survey, it was interesting to see that meeting our financial goals wasn't the only area that we're really struggling with. It was the number one area that business owners are struggling with. But Right behind it, 85% of patient or people who own businesses said that they weren't making the biggest impact possible in their community. They weren't reaching all of the patient populations. They weren't engaged in the community. They didn't have the relationships. They didn't have the public speaking events. All of that stuff that would let them have the kind of impact they dreamed about when they were starting their own business. And then almost 70% of people said that they weren't comfortable taking a vacation, which we were in that realm, Nicole, for way too many years, especially when, you know, one of the reasons you start your practice is to have more time for yourself. So the other categories that we asked about were, do you feel comfortable taking a vacation? 69% of you business owners said no. Are you spending enough time in self-care, both physical and emotional? 67% of you said no.
0: Yeah. And that's a recipe for disaster in our, in our field, for sure. We have to be Um, And we'll get into this a little bit with like this clinical excellence, but when we are taking care of people that are not well, and by definition, people that are coming to pelvic floor therapy are not well in both the physical and usually the emotional as well, if we are taking care of those people, we also have to be very grounded and we have to be, have put on our own oxygen mask first And that. I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but it is really so true. It's one of the reasons why Jessica and I are going to talk about this stuff at Pelvicon this year. It is something that I have learned that over the years, it's even more important. And I've always been pretty good at that kind of stuff just innately, but man, like it is the more that I see people burn out, both from a clinical perspective and from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's really sad. And we can't have that in our specialty.
1: Because then you're not able to take care of the people who you're supposed to be taking care of. So if we add these things together, right? And then the last one that we asked about is almost 66% of you said that you aren't working the days and times that you want to be. So what do we, we put all that together. What does that mean? It means that we're working longer hours than we want to be. We're not taking vacation. We're not taking time for self-care. We don't really feel like we're having the largest impact we possibly could. And we're not making enough money. That is the recipe right there for entrepreneurial burnout. Like that is it. And so that's one of the reasons that Nicole and I are so passionate about this is because we were caught in this for a long period of time. And if that resonates with you, if one or more of those categories are not things that are going well in your practice, then it's a warning sign. It's time to be able to make a change because you can make a change in each of these categories. But as you can see with these numbers, it's difficult to do. And if we keep doing the same things, we have to expect the same results, right? So we can't keep doing this and thinking that, oh, eventually it's going to get easier or eventually I'm going to take a vacation or eventually I'm going to have time to get that massage and self-care or eventually I'm going to be making as much money as I want to in the business, it's just not going to happen. That's not how things work. If you don't make a change in what you're doing, it's going to continue that way. So we wanted to talk today about the three big reasons that we struggle, specifically on the financial side, but really for all of these different areas. And the three areas are marketing and sales, business systems, and clinical excellence. And if that sounds familiar, that's because that's exactly what we're going to be teaching in the accelerator. As Nicole would say, there's a method to our madness. If we identify these three things as the biggest three ways that we fall short in the business, then that's what we're going to work with you guys on. Whether you're a solopreneur, whether you've got eight employees, it really doesn't matter. These are the things at Public Sanity we go back to again and again. These are the areas where If you're struggling in business, if you're not meeting those things that you want to be doing, if you're not making the money you want to be making, if you're not having the impact you want to have, if we look inside, it's usually something in one of these three areas. Frankly, it's usually all three of them.
0: Totally. And then it's also something that we can look to optimize. So those of you who already have quote unquote good businesses can definitely always get better, and pelvic sanity is in that category where we consistently go back and refine and review and redo, and because a system for to taking one example, we'll go into a little bit more here in a second, but a system that worked for you as a solopreneur is now maybe not enough for when you have multiple employees. A system that worked when you had two employees doesn't work when you have four. A system that worked when you were by yourself doesn't work when you have a front desk person. So there are so many different areas that constantly need to be, we have to come back to in order to optimize them as well. So these are two different categories of people, people that are struggling, but then other people that are doing well, but that need to optimize your business as well. Like that can also, if there's areas in, in the three categories that Jesse just mentioned that aren't doing well, then that still contributes to those atrocious numbers <laughs> that we just recited to you.
1: So let's kind of bust through each of these in turn. So marketing and sales, let me just kind of clarify what we actually mean by this. Marketing is just making people aware that you can solve their problem. That's really all a business is, is it's a solution to other people's problems. So marketing is making sure that they know that you exist and what problems that you solve. And then sales is getting them to basically exchange money for that service. So marketing is done globally. Sales is done usually one-on-one. That's getting somebody to come in the door. And so if you're struggling with this... It looks like a couple of different things. One, you have really inconsistent leads. Maybe one week you have seven. Maybe one week you have 14, and the next week you have six. And you're saying, wait, what happened? What's going on? Is it the time of year? Is it me? What did I do? Is my website still working? Does the button over there work? Right? That inconsistency is the hallmark of having a hard time with this. So if that's something where you're seeing... You know, big peaks and valleys. A lot of times we call this the roller coaster, especially for a solopreneur. This happens when you get busy. You, you know, when you first start off, you have all the time in the world to market. You go out, you do a whole bunch of things. You ask your friends, you do all these stuff. People come in the door. Now you're treating them. Now you don't have time to do any of that marketing stuff. Well, your leads fall off. Eventually, those people get discharged or leave and you haven't been marketing to replace them. So now you have this big roller coaster effect where you're really busy one month or one week even, and the next week you are falling off a cliff. So that's how you can identify that those marketing and sales areas are weak. And this is something that, I mean, there's a lot of foundational pieces in this. This, especially if you have a cash practice, this is the crux of your business, is getting people to want to come in to be willing to pay more to see you, And to be confident with that and tell people why and be able to articulate your value with that. So that goes into things like your website. That goes into, do you have a plan for practitioner marketing to develop a tribe of relationships around you of like-minded practitioners? Do you have a plan for patient-focused marketing where you're actually going out into the community? You're getting people online. You're making things. And those people are actually coming in, right? It's not doing a workshop and then getting crickets, And not getting anybody in from that, but that's the sales part of it, right? The workshop is the marketing, the sales is actually getting them in the door once you've met them. Do you have a way to market to your past patients, to your current patients, to get them to refer friends? We call that internal marketing, right? Are there systems around all of that stuff so that you don't have those ups and downs? You don't have those weeks where you have an amazing amount of leads and you're on Cloud9 and you think your business is skyrocketing and you're ready to hire and you've got this crazy wait list and then two weeks later you've got four leads and you're wondering if you're gonna survive.
0: Yeah, this also what happens a lot with the folks is that you get this like, especially when you're first starting out or you've had your business for a little bit of time, not a ton of time, is that you get that initial bolus of people and then you get like their referrals or word of mouth, or whatever, or like your next wave of stuff. And then it's like, oh shit, like I have to do this literally for years <laughs> on end. And it's that kind of stuff is like, what is the marketing and sales system that you have to sustain the number of patients that you need for if you're a solo printer for you, or if you have multiple practitioners for your multiple practitioners to make sure that you can provide them with a good job, right? So that is something else that we can fall into a a little bit of a trap in with like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. And it's like, you've only been in business for four months and like, where's at month 17, at month 24, are you still going to be having that same consistency with where are you getting your patients from?
1: That brings up a good point, Nicole, because this is something where with all of these areas that we're going to be talking about, you can get by as a solopreneur doing an okay job with some of these but man when as soon as you hire whether it's front desk and or whether it's especially a clinician if you guys have been there you're probably nodding along knowing what we're talking about it reveals every flaw in what you have going on so you thought your marketing was doing great cool then you hire somebody and then you realize oh i have to do twice as much work to fill someone else's schedule and my patients might not want to see that person yikes and then right, we... Because
0: the way that you were marketing is completely different now. It was all based on you. I'm so amazing. And I have this super great passion for everything. And now you spent all of that time building yourself up. And now you have to build up your actual business to make sure that you can sustain the number of leads to support a whole nother person. And so... That is where people get, frankly, bucked sometimes when they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing so great. And this is why the advice to, quote, unquote, just hire is such bullshit sometimes is because that might not be the right decision for you. But even if it is, then there has to be a whole foundation. You have to be ready to do that. Hiring is like a huge undertaking. It's a huge responsibility. You are now taking that person's livelihood in your hands and saying, I am going to be able to provide you and your family with money in exchange for service and like that's a big responsibility and so you better be freaking ready for it and what got you here isn't going to get you there so your current system of marketing is not going to be the same for a multi-clinician practice as it was when you were a solopreneur
1: absolutely End so that story. will 100 percent reveal problems in your business that maybe you've been able to kind of paper over as a solopreneur The next area that we see things fall apart are in business systems. And this is a broad category, but the way that you can tell that you don't have business systems or that things aren't working really well is like, are you having day to day angst in the business? I don't know of a better way to just say it. Like, are you having day to day, like, ah, shit, what do I do about that? Because if you're having that, it's a sign that the system is broken. You don't have a system, and so you're kind of piecemealing it together. And again, no judgment. Like we all did this stuff. I cannot believe at pelvic sanity. We did not have a call log for the first 18 months we were in business. Like I still go back and kick myself. How many people reached out to us that we could be still following up with even eight years later, seven years later in the business, right? But that's the kind of thing. Do you have a call log? Do you have a system for following up with people? Do you have a system for your late cancellation policy? Or is it kind of, well, do I like the person? Am I a little bit scared of that person, so I don't want to charge it? Again, You know, if you feel called out by that, like we've been there as well. But man, like we did that for far too long at Pelvic Sanity, right? It was like, oh, it was a case-by-case decision on cancellations. Well, that was a failure of the system. Yeah,
0: so I would also say that a symptom of your business systems not being there is if you keep coming back to the same problem, So Jesse talked about business angst, but if the same problem is also cropping up multiple times and you either have to say to yourself, damn it, I really need to fix that. I really need to create a system around that. Or if you have different outcomes for the same problem, like if you have different solutions for the same problem. And that's frustrating to you. Cancellations are a really good example of that because they're easy to sort of see. It's like if you have a cancellation policy and someone says, hey, I don't think I should be charged. And you don't know what to say or you say something different to patient A than you do to patient B. And then also you have angst about it and be like, dang it, I don't know what I should do. And then you get paralyzed by that and then you just forget about it or you push it away and then patient C comes in and has the same thing and you're like, damn it, I really need a cancellation policy that's more better enforceable. That is a symptom of a business system that you don't have. If you keep having the same problem come up and you keep having the same anxiety over the same problem again and again, that is... An issue.
1: Another huge area with this that we're going to talk a ton about in the accelerator, because I think this is something that all of us get wrong, is how to have a system around your finances. And again, go back to see that 86% of people don't feel like they're making the money they need to be making, that they're not being able to pay themselves. Is do you have a system for paying yourself? Do you know what's going to be coming out of the business for you every single month? Are you paying yourself first? Or are you content or taking the leftovers of what it is and then wondering why you're having financial security issues or you're feeling insecure, you're checking your bank account every couple of days just to see what's in there? That's a sign that you don't have great financial systems. Do you have a buffer in the business? What would happen if, I don't know, let's say a pandemic shut down the whole fucking world? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just go out there on a limb, right? Right. Like at Pelvic Sanity, we were able to weather that because we had financial systems in place. We knew we had a buffer that could withstand something like that. So do I expect that to happen again? No, but there are always unexpected things that come up. Do we have a buffer that we can feel really confident about? So if you're not feeling confident in your finances, in your ability to pay taxes, in your ability to pay yourself... It's a sign that those systems are lacking and sometimes those are the biggest challenge for us because A, it seems really complicated and B, a lot of times we have an emotional charge around money and feel some kind of way about it and there's a whole other kind of emotional money mindset psychology piece of all of that stuff as well that we have to disentangle before we can have that system in place. One other example of business system stuff, Nicole, before I get too off on a tangent on the financial side, because I think that's so important and so key to like future success and retirement and paying off student loans and all that stuff. But documentation and time sucking nonsense, another great example yes. of not having a business system. Dude,
0: TSN, you guys, we have coined this term now. We haven't talked about it a ton on the podcast, so we talked about it, we talk about it a shit ton in our one on one rising mentorship groups. TSN. What type of time sucking nonsense are you doing? That is another sign that your business systems are not working for you is if you feel like you are doing a bunch of stupid shit in order to make yourself feel better or to placate somebody because someone asked you a question and can you please do this for me? And then you are scrambling around you'll be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to like write you a whole email to summarize your evaluation because I'm feeling some kind of way that I don't provide enough value. Like what is the system for getting back to patients, emails, all of that stuff. If you feel like you're having a lot of time sucked up in nonsense that you're doing, then you have a business systems problem. Uh, Documentation falls into this category. And I have a ton of different examples of this. We should do a whole other podcast on TSN. It really drives me up the wall because I'm always like, "What are you actually doing?" It's just this is the kind of stuff that like you just need to stop. Sometimes your system is just like, "Stop doing that thing." <laughs> the correct. So, anyways, that's uh, that's a great thing to evaluate.
1: So marketing and sales, business systems, and then the final one is clinical excellence. And again, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but I think it's something that we don't give enough thought to, enough credit to, that we're not reflective enough on. I think there's the assumption of like, I went out on my own and I really care. So of course I'm providing the kind of care that you want, but problems with clinical excellence come in with things like are you getting people dropping off your schedule are you getting people coming in for a few visits and then saying oh i need to go and use my insurance are you getting people who you know just don't finish out their plan of care are you getting reviews are you getting word of mouth referrals where every patient is sending you another patient if that's the case if that's the kind of care that you're providing it makes it a hell of a lot easier to run a business than if you're having to go out and generate all new patients all the time.
0: And then under this clinical excellence thing, and I can talk about this for days, but one of the other signposts that this is a problem is that if you're having a lot of, to use Jesse's word from previous, angst about, am I doing the right thing? is my patient getting better in the right way? I don't know if I have the skills to treat them. If you find yourself wanting to refer them out to like 17 different providers because you're not quote unquote quite sure, like if they're in the right place or if you can help them as much as they deserve to be helped and all of this other like sort of what's the word like, is the word nebulous like stuff around? It's not like the actual like, oh, I know how to do this joint mob clinical excellence, but it's the, it's the confidence, it's the competence, it's the consistency by which you approach a diagnosis. All of that stuff is going to go into, is that patient picking up what you're putting down? Are they going to be confident in what you are providing as their plan of care? And are you clear on what the path is for that patient to work with you? So when do you stop treating? When do you start to decrease their sessions? Like all of that stuff needs what you think in your business. And then especially if you have other staff members That has to be consistent among all of your staff as well. So it can't be, even though that we're all individualized therapists and provide individualized care, there still needs to be an overarching theme where a person that walks into, for instance, pelvic sanity is going to get a baseline level of service and care that is consistent, that is similar, even though the therapist and the patient is different.
1: Yes. so right Because the care that you're providing is the product of your business. And I know sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable to think of it in that way, but what's important when you're going and getting a product? It needs to be consistently good. You can't go, I mean, think about a restaurant, right? You can't go to a place one time and have it be great and go to the place the next time and have it be terrible. What are you going to tell your friend? It's not going to be about the time that it was great it's going to be about the time it was cold and the service was awful and all those different things. It's the same when it comes to the product that you're providing. So that clinical excellence, and again, this is another category. All of these become more and more critical as you grow. So you might have some of these, if you're a solopreneur, you might have some of that like clinical excellence just in your bones. There is some of that. You had the confidence to start your business. Like you probably have some of that, but man, it's a whole nother level when you're training somebody else and having that and having to work through a, one of your clinicians money mindset issues. And the fact that they think that they're so expensive and the most anyone has ever paid to see them was a $20 copay. And now they're asking a patient to come in at 200 bucks a pop, man, maybe you can do that yourself, but man, training somebody else to do that is a whole nother level.
0: Okay. And then the last thing I'm going to say about clinical excellence is that this is a category that can very frequently overshadow the other two areas of business systems and marketing and sales. Because what we tend to do here is automatically go into our business isn't doing wonderfully. And we're like, crap, I need to be better. I need to be better clinically, which you might need to, but guess what? Your answer is not always, I need another course. I need to do more things. I need to add dry needling. I need to do something else clinical.
1: It's not that. I need a $5,000 piece of equipment because if I have real-time ultrasound or if I have a shock wave or if I can dry needle, then people will come to see me. My question for you guys with that, this is a total aside, but how many times has a patient called your clinic and been like, hey, do you have real-time ultrasound? hey, do you have a shockwave? Hey, do you know visceral manipulation? Hey, do you do dry needling? Maybe dry needling is actually in the places who can do it. We're super jealous in California because we can't. Maybe that's one that might actually be that you might get a phone call about, but all these other kind of things, like again, if if it's important to you clinically, then great, but don't think that that's going to, buying a piece of equipment, buying a modality, getting one more clinical course is going to affect the trajectory of your business. It's just not.
0: Totally. So, all that is to say is that clinical excellence is one of the three areas that we feel like is most important. And this is a complete work in progress. There is always something to be better in, in all three of these categories. So, many of you might be listening and being like, wow, I think I'm doing pretty great in all of these categories. Guess what? I guarantee that if somebody, a third party, comes in and actually takes a look at some of the things, there's going to be areas where you can improve. We have a business coach at Pelvic Sanity. He comes in and freaking tears apart half the shit that we're doing all the time. And it's like, we're doing great. We're doing great. And we still can be improving and making things more simple or streamlining something or changing something because our business is different than it was six months ago. Like that is where it's at is to optimize nobody is above this stuff these are the foundational places where you can make a change in your business and there can always be improvement in these things so again it's marketing and sales it's business systems and it's clinical excellence
1: and as we always say if you have one of these going okay you are going to struggle If you have two of them going okay, you're going to survive, and if you have three of them going well, you are going to go wherever you want. You are thriving. And so this is the challenge, and I think Nicole said it really well, when you've got that kind of set of third-party eyes, I think that's one of the most valuable things that we provide with business coaching and business programs is that kind of set of eyes, because a lot of times, and us included, we get trapped in our own thinking. We get stuck in a rut. We're doing it the same way. Why are we doing it that way? Because that's how we started the business. Why did we do that? Because that's what our previous employer did. Or that's what we saw on one podcast or in one post. Or that's what I thought that everybody else did. And no one is actually questioning those things. One of the most valuable things about coaching is having somebody able to question those assumptions that you have and push you to come up with better solutions, better systems, better marketing all of that stuff is going to be a real value. So if you guys are interested in that, we're talking about a lot about this in the accelerator program. These are the things that we focus on. We focus on marketing and sales, making sure we're getting the phone ringing, making sure we're able to fill your schedule and fill the schedule of your clinicians if you've hired. And if that's something that you want to be doing, we're going to talk about business systems, how to streamline the entire business. So it's not dealing with the same problem over and over again and feeling like it's new. It's going to be, if there's a problem, we have a system for that. And we start to eliminate things. We start to work upstream so that we don't have problems every single day in the business that come up. And then we're going to be talking about clinical excellence. And this is something that really sets, I think, this program apart, is thinking about how your clinical excellence, your clinical buy-in, the ability to get the patients the outcome that you want relates back to your business success. And that those are the three pillars of business. Those are the things that we go over in the Accelerator course. So that's going to be a six-month intensive coaching program. We're going to have all of the details on the website. You can check that out at pelvicptrising.com slash accelerator. But it's going to have a little bit of everything. It's going to have community. It's going to have lectures. It's going to have one-on-one aspect. It's going to have all of these different resources for you to get you to where you want to go. And the reason it's six months is because change takes time. This isn't just like looking at something and making a change and then like walking away and washing your hands of it and being like, great, now I have a perfect business. Like business growth is personal growth and that takes time. So we want to be able to give you guys the results. We've seen that now with multiple cohorts who have gone through this program who have on average doubled revenue. So if you're one of those folks who just is not hitting some of those goals, whether it's a revenue goal, whether it's being able to take care of yourself the way you want to or go on vacation or work the days and times or get off of work in order to be there to pick your kids up from school or whether it's that you want to make a larger impact in your local community or online, beyond yourself, whatever that is, if that's something that you want to take the next step in, I thought Nicole said it perfectly, doing the same things is going to get you the same results. And so this is a way to break out of that rut And if that's something that you want to be doing, this accelerator program is a perfect opportunity to do that and to do it in community with a lot of like-minded, awesome people. So you can find out more details about that at pelvicptrising.com slash accelerator. Get on the wait list, and then that will actually open up on June 22nd. We'll have more information coming out before then. But we don't want you to miss it if that is something that you are interested in.
0: All right, we are gonna go sit on our lanai now.
1: That's it. So, (laughs) guys, as always, if you have questions about this, please reach out. We always wanna keep this conversation going.
0: And let's continue to rise.